Kitty's not bad, though. Chase is there Kitty. a way for us to take half-quarter lines? Like, can I take lines for the first six for the minutes? First, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, can we do that, Chase? That would be good. Uh, welcome back, by the way. You're coming back from your honeymoon. Married man now. Congratulations, Chase. Uh, as someone that went on his honeymoon honeymoon during the NFL honeymoon, draft. Honeymoon, wow. Honeymoon, a honeymoon, by the way, yes. You can do, take without what you want, Trista. Specific kind of honeymoon. There you go. I had to still kind of keep up with the draft a little bit. I was able to. Wife didn't care because it didn't. Did you get to watch sports at all? Did you keep up or did you completely disconnect? So I, my my wife is, uh, I'm still getting used to saying my wife. My wife is yep. not a sports fan. So I expected we were going to be gone for two weeks. There was going to be zero sports anywhere. Uh, and... and that's kind of what I went in expecting. And it's not like this is a super hot part of the sports calendar anyway. We got NBA playoffs. We got NHL playoffs. The draft was the, the my last full day in Hawaii. But, you know, it's not like the middle of the NFL season or anything. I got to watch a lot of the NBA playoffs, and I was really surprised by that. It was really nice. Um, you guys will get this. I, I don't know how many other people will get this, but if you work in the industry, you kind of forget – how much you love sports when your job isn't attached to it. When you get to zone out mm-hmm. of all of the work part of it and just enjoy a game, that was awesome. Um, so, I, you know, the, the full two weeks off was great. I, I got absolutely blasted drunk on the last day, just like sitting <laughs> at this bar in our hotel, watching BetMGM tonight. I think I was DMing all three of you. Like, you did, you did 11 DMs. cocktails <laughs> in. Yeah, it was pretty bad. He was like, this uh, is a note for myself more than it is to you. <laughs> I'm DMing you, but I'm really DMing me. I'm just that was about the Oakland days. That makes it sound kind of sketchy when you when you take it out of context, there, Tristan. Oh well, that's not how I meant it. Come on now. The fact yeah. that the fact that BetMGM tonight is on your mind on your honeymoon while you're drinking is just there's no better compliment than that, my friend. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm curious. I know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the NBA, but your Oakland days DM reminded me of how weird Major League Baseball is this season. Uh, Pittsburgh right now leading the National League. We've got uh, the Orioles second in the American League. If it wasn't for the Rays being on absolute fire, they'd be first. Uh, You've got the Yankees in full-on rebuild stink mode. What's your takeaway about how to bet this early in the season on Major League Baseball? Um, don't be too attached to your priors, I guess, is the general advice. I, I, I'm an Orioles fan like PJ, so, I mean, I'm I, I'm still kind of in just, oh, this is awesome, we don't suck mode. We have, like, an awesome <laughs> run differential. I think we're 19-9, and nine. not that that's helping us tonight in Kansas City. But uh, I, it's just, it's, it's refreshing on a personal level to watch a team that doesn't suck, which kind of inspired this, this Oakland thing that I'm not – I'm not all the way through the research yet on, so maybe that's a topic for uh, maybe next week that I'll get all the way into. But I, I think not being too attached to your priors and, and being open to like pitchers that have a historical years, it does happen. We saw last year Nestor Cortez kind of came out of nowhere and had an awesome year. Uh, I said last year, and I'll say it again, I don't know if he's going to repeat that this year. Uh, I, he's, he's kind of a fade target to me going forward until he proves that that wasn't just a weird R.A. Dickey one-year level of aberration. But being open to, I think, the possibilities is is always a good idea with baseball just because the season's so long and things can change. You think the Yankees are going to continue to stink? Because I do. <laughs> uh, I, look, I tell you this. I have a couple really good friends from college that are really aggressive, diehard Yankees fans, and they are very pessimistic about what this year is. So, 
it's it has been a rough, rough well, this start. Is a, this is an 80, 83 win team, yeah. guys. Like this, I mean, it looks really... it looks bad right I now. I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the win total is right now. I don't know what the updated number is, but it's it if it's anywhere in the nineties, you can just go ahead and take the under. If you can find that market, I would take the under on that Sheesh, on that too. Uh, speaking of bad New York teams, I don't know what's going on with the Knicks, but they're down by five right now to the Heat. Uh, they lost game one after a great first half. You've got no Jimmy Butler out there for Miami. They've turned into the Golden State Warriors. Everybody's hitting threes. Is Miami a legit threat not just to win this series, but to maybe come out of the East now? All right, so are they a threat to come out of the East? That's a very firm I don't know. But the interesting part of this to me from a gambling perspective is the numbers. I I talked, uh, I I was on with Tristan and PJ a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about the Kings Warriors series, and it was... It was either before it started or it was really early and the Kings had, you know, the short series lead. And PJ was really skeptical about the idea that the Kings could beat the Warriors. I was really bullish on the Kings. No context, PJ was right and I was wrong. But the argument that I made is, dude, this number is so far off. It's so bad. You have to put money down on the Kings position because you have so many options down the road. And what I ended up doing is taking Kings on the series line to win at plus 210. And then I also had Kings plus one and a half. So if they lost in seven, I was going to hit that second leg. That gives me hedge potential to bet Golden State outright in game seven. These are all of the things you have to think about setting up if you're a really good gambler in the futures market. The reason I bring any of that up is to point out that right now, the Miami Heat, right now at this moment, with a road win in their pocket in the second round of the playoffs, and no deadly-looking team in the East. They're 20-1 to 1 right now in the championship market. I have no idea if the Heat can win the NBA championship this year. It seems dicey even if Jimmy Butler wasn't hurt. But when you have numbers that are this bad based on the fundamentals of where a team is, you get in there, you take the position on the championship, or you take the position on the Eastern championship, the conference championship, and then you figure it out later by moving off of it or, or taking better positions off of the back of that that you set up initially. What are you seeing from Boston right now? <laughs> I refuse to talk bad about Joe Mazzulla because he's a West Virginia guy. He was on the Final Four oh team 13 God, years ago. So uh, you're not going to hear the words come out of my mouth. And by the way, a quick aside here, is this the first time in the history of sports talk radio that anybody has ever had back-to-back West Virginia guests? That's crazy. Back-to-back Isn't segments. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think there are fair questions of coaching. You know what? Maybe it's not even that he's a bad coach, although obviously that case is there to make. Maybe it's just that he is so outclassed by the coaches he has gone against. I mean, oh yeah, Doc Rivers, a, well known, well known, really good coach, Doc Rivers, and he's got he's had his moments. I think the <laughs> the Celtics thing could be personal for him in yeah. a way where maybe you spend the extra hours coming up with some new stuff. I, I've always been a huge fan of Quinn Snyder and what he does. I think anytime you're going against Spolstra, which could be the Eastern Conference Finals matchup, I think Spolstra is just one of the great, unsung, great year-to-year, week-to-week coaches in this league. I think, you know, when we talk about, like, hey, you think Spolstra's a good coach? Everybody says, oh, yeah, he's a great coach. But unprompted, just like, hey, make a list of the best coaches in the league, he gets slept on a little bit. So... I do think there are a lot of great coaches left in these playoffs, and I think there is a coaching deficit there. I also think 
Uh, I don't I don't want to lay it all on the coaching stuff. The players, it just feels like in past seasons, the way we talked about the Celtics was they just seem so, something's a little off, something's a little soft, something's a little unmotivated, almost like like if you took Marcus Smart off that team, they would have no backbone. Mm. Uh, and, and it it feels like they've regressed back to that a little bit. You know, we were so enamored with what they became last year in February through the finals and how good they were, how tough they were. It feels like that's not necessarily what they've been the last three seasons. That was more of a four or five month thing. And I think you see some of that in these playoff series where they go against teams that are a little bit tougher and maybe wanted a little bit more. These are cliches, but sometimes they ring true. Talking to Chase Kitty, BetMGM tonight. Warriors four and a half point favorites against the Lakers. Game one of that series. Where are you on that game and also that series? Uh, I am interested. I mean, this is a series of old guys. So I'm kind <laughs> of interested in a Lakers position for game one. Uh, the only definitive position I have right now is uh, it's actually a prop bet. It's Kayvon Looney under 12 and a half rebounds. Oh, no. I was actually in the, in the comment section on Twitch earlier talking about how I just feel like this is not a Kayvon Looney series. This is a, uh, you know, the Lakers are bigger. And so the way he matched up the giant advantage, he had the massive, I think he had three 20 rebound games against the Kings. I don't think he's going to be as successful in this particular series. And so until that prop market gets adjusted, I think some unders are probably in line there. I I think the Warriors probably are the side I like ultimately in the series because I think the Lakers are going to struggle offensively to keep up and I think they're going to struggle to guard the perimeter but certainly they're going to be able to challenge the Warriors close to the basket in a way that the Kings just didn't do in the last series and I think that interplay is going to be really interesting we're on opposite sides of that me and you you like the Lakers no the Looney Looney rebound Oh, really? Wow, that's really specific. Uh, that's cool to hear that you're on the other side, though. Yeah, it was, that's why I said, oh, no. We're no. big Looney fans on this show. I, so. I also agree about the Warriors. Do you feel like the Warriors have that King series woke them up or wore them down? Um, I don't know that it's necessarily either. I, I would say this. I, what I got from that series from the King series, especially watching Game 7. And I watched, like, every game of that series. Watching Game 7, what it told me is this team doesn't have a lot of punch left. Like, And I don't mean necessarily this year. I mean in the organizational run, as they've been constructed. The dynasty, I know some people don't consider them a dynasty because of the break in the middle. I have a less strict definition. This is obviously a dynasty in my book. Uh, just the the dominance they've shown in the last eight years or so, culturally, uh, on on the court, championship-wise, it feels like they don't have a lot of run left in them. And they won because of Steph's greatness. And they can go, I think, as far as Steph's greatness will take them. In almost every series they're going to play, Steph is going to be the greatest player on the court. What makes the Lakers series so interesting is obviously how Super Saiyan can LeBron go and how many times can he do it. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're uh, blessed might be kind of a, a trite word, but I, I do feel kind of blessed to watch another Steph LeBron series because the basketball it's yielded has just been so consistently and predictably awesome. There are a lot of people who said it didn't matter that the Suns didn't have depth. They liked the Suns over the Nuggets. The Nuggets were soft, et cetera, et cetera. Um, were we just 
too presumptuous to think that Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and no one else were going to be able to turn it on against a double MVP with lots of depth? Yes. Uh, and, and I I always try really hard to, like, make sure you – you know, this is the betting space, and everybody has very, very uh, clear hindsight vision. So you always have to be clear to, like, put down your positions. And when you have a good feeling – especially when it's, you know, maybe an undervalued team or a team that's plus rated odds. You got to get that down somewhere. So I'm always very clear on Twitter. Like, I like the Nuggets. I think this is going to be a problem X, Y, Z. And I throw it down there so that you can retweet it in two weeks and talk trash to people. But the the idea that the Suns were just going to offensively explode all over the Denver Nuggets and that was their path. The Suns have real fundamental problems. They don't shoot threes like other teams. They love the mid-range game, which as a basketball player, I love that about them. But from a more meta team planning perspective, that's a real problem in the 2023 NBA. Their shot selection. They have a math problem. Three is more than two. That's just kind of how a lot of this works. You know, the variance of three-point shooting in the modern NBA you win if you shoot a bunch of threes and hit them. You lose if you shoot a bunch of threes and you miss. Well, the Suns don't have access to either one of those options because they don't shoot a lot of threes. So right away, that's a big disadvantage. They're a primary jump shooting team, so they don't draw as much foul contact as other teams. That's a big problem. Golden State doesn't draw a lot of fouls. They're a jump shooting team, but they do shoot a lot of threes. So you can do some of these things. You just can't do all of these things. I think it's a huge problem for Phoenix. I think Denver has a massive advantage. I can't believe they were priced at plus rated odds. I actually went and looked at all the updated numbers for this series. You can go right now get uh, – you, you were talking, Trista, about how you'd split your units between like series to go four versus series to go five. You can bypass all of that and take Denver on a series line Denver minus, I think, one and a half is like minus 105 or... No, here it is. Denver minus two and a half is minus 105. So Denver wins in four or Denver wins in five. Either way, if you get one of those results, it cashes that. And that's minus 105 live right now. I would be nice. that. Chase Kitty, host of the Lion's Edge podcast. New article out for BetMGM as well about the odds movement for the Super Bowl after the draft. I wanted to get to that with you since we couldn't. Everybody can go check that out, of course. That is uh, good stuff as always, Chase. Thanks for coming on with us. Thanks, guys.